0: Listening to a podcast from JNNP. This is a JNNP podcast coming from the British Neuropsychiatry Association Winter Meeting 2013. I'm Dr. Hugh Rickards, a neuropsychiatrist from Birmingham, and with me I've got uh, Dr. Tim Nicholson from the Institute of Psychiatry, and we're going to be talking about autoimmune mechanisms in neuropsychiatry. So, welcome, Tim. I'd be grateful if you could just tell me a little bit about your talk. You updated us on the research on uh, autoimmune mechanisms and encephalitis.
1: All oh, right, yeah, thanks. Um so yeah, the the, the main point of my talk was really looking at the recent evidence that there's perhaps some isolated psychi- psychiatry symptoms, so pure psychiatric symptoms that might have an autoimmune basis um, and this comes out of what's been known for a, quite a long time that sort of neuropsychiatric syndromes particularly encephalitis can have an autoimmune uh, cause particularly in the, the syndromes of uh, uh, schizophrenia and OCD where this is coming out.
0: I noticed you said, Tim, in your talk that um we hadn't really found them before and you gave some reasons for that so why do you think we haven't really seen the, these sorts of things before?
1: Yeah I think it's very interesting because for, for, for neurologists uh, sort of a proportion of most of their clinical presentations have for quite some time been known to, to have an autoimmune contribution and uh, I think there are several ex- possible explanations. I think one is that autoimmune processes in the central nervous system preferentially would affect uh, neurological systems rather than psychiatric or behavioural ones um, and then another possibility might be that behavioural symptoms are, are more complex and somehow need a grosser insult or a different, a different sort of mechanism to, to, to cause a disorder. And I think the third and what I'd probably think is the biggest player in this is, is, is that in psychiatry we haven't really looked for these uh, syndromes. And, and I think that's partly because we, we haven't got the sort of diagnostic abilities of neurology with uh, we're limited to mental state examination rather than full neurological system examination.
0: I was wondering about a couple of other possible explanations. One is that um, it's a sort of sex selection bias. So in other words, if you've just got psychiatric symptoms, nobody looks for it. But if you've got neurological symptoms, obviously people start looking for it. That makes us think it's a more neurological syndrome than it actually is.
1: Yeah, I think that's that's the sort of classic divide, isn't it? And that somehow psychiatry might be different than than neurology. Um, But yeah, I think that's another possible explanation.
0: The other thing that I've seen certainly where in my locality is that and we see this in schizophrenia and other psychosyndromes syndromes that may have physical causes. Is that as soon as a, some of it has a physical cause, it seems to get sort of co-opted into neurology and stops being called psychiatry?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think I guess dementia is the sort of uh, the key area where that happens as well, isn't it?
0: You went on then to talk about um, OCD and antibasal ganglia antibodies. Do you just want to just outline the story about um, abgas?
1: Yeah, so, uh, so anti basal ganglia antibodies, an antibody that's been um, described for for a, over a decade now and has really come out of the work in um, a childhood, severe childhood neu- neuropsychiatric syndrome called PANDAS, or so the pediatric autoimmune neuropsychiatric disorders associated with streptococcal infections that's uh, a bit of a mouthful and then uh, an encephalitis lethargica which is a sort of um, thought to be a historical entity but still occurs but an encephalitis with a prominent sort of sleep components. Those two disorders have been found to have, be associated with these antibodies um, there's a lot of interest in this just about, about between 15 and 10 years ago, and then it became quite a controversial diagnosis, I think because of some failed replications in uh, in other laboratories from the initial uh, findings uh, by Susan Swedo and others—it became controversial, and and there are obviously some methodological issues with the uh, with, with, with the antibodies. But um, uh, the, 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 since that time, there's been a progression of uh, of interest with these with these antibodies, and a sort of range, an increasing spectrum of uh, disorders, ranging from pure neurological disorders to neuropsychiatric, and then possibly even recently into pure psychiatric syndromes, and particularly OCD.
0: I think one of the issues before with the PANDAS hypothesis is that uh, the ability to transfer serum or antibodies from one organism to the other didn't seem to be really coming off but I understand that's changed a little bit.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think in the last few years a couple of um, different laboratories have made a mouse and then a rat model of uh, of these sort of neuropsychiatric disorders and one of the key steps in a a paper in um, molecular psychiatry two years ago where passive transfers of, of antibodies from one mouse who'd previously been exposed to streptococcal infections developed some ne- some equivalent to sort of neuropsychiatric symptoms and then taking the, that, that, uh, that animal's uh, serum and, and giving it to a, a completely healthy animal would, would create the same symptoms so quite convincing evidence of a pathological process. So
0: do you think clinicians are in a position now where they could Confidently diagnose and treat pandas, or are we not at that stage yet?
1: I don't think we're quite at that stage. I think it's still these things need to be replicated. And but there are there is some you know good evidence of response. Certainly not to all all cases, but uh, you know uh, immunomodulation in the form of plasmapheresis or uh, intravenous immunoglobulin and steroids do have uh, uh, there are some case reports of good responses. So I think I think most clinicians would think in severe cases that it's it's certainly to some uh, therapeutic things to consider. Yeah. You know.
0: I understand that there's a European wide study, the MTIC study, that's going to be kicking off soon that might help us to answer those questions a bit more.
1: Absolutely, I think those these are going to be very valuable things for us to, to understand.
0: Then, moving on to the um, NMDA receptor encephalitis story, do you want to just update us on what's happened with that story currently? So, this is a slightly more recent development, but again,
1: sort of the possibility of a neuropsychiatric disorder developing into um, uh, possibly a partial syndrome that can cause just psychiatric symptoms. So um, since uh, 2008 approximately when a large case series of encephalitis associated with the NMDA receptor antibodies found a high proportion of these patients presented with psychiatric symptoms initially and often psychosis um, before the the sort of full encephalitic picture unveiled itself with seizures and reduced consciousness. So people have started to think well possibly psychosis by itself or as we'd call it schizophrenia uh, could be due to these antibodies and um, the first report of this came out in 2011 work by Angela Vincent's laboratory with um, Blinda Lennox and others and uh, just three patients were found with positive antibodies for the MDR uh, receptor. Out of how many
0: patients was that? It was, I think it was about 46. Sorry, were these new, new onset cases or were they, they were chronic fir- cases? They were,
1: yeah, they were first episode of schizophrenia patients, which is an important issue probably. The other th- very important thing was they were clinically indistinguishable from other patients with schizophrenia, so there was nothing unique or sort of neurological about them. So for instance, as far as you know, they didn't have signs of uh, delirium. Even when they looked retrospectively back in, in detail at these patients, there was there was nothing that, stu- that stood out, um, which is is very interesting, uh, and it, it also has implications for screening uh, and whether, we, you know, whether we're able to pick up these sorts of patients who might have an organic basis due to these antibodies.
0: What about the, uh, the chronic patients? The patients who have been ill for many years, do you think it's worth revisiting those and trying to test them and think about what that means?
1: I think the, from the, uh, there's, there's some papers that have come out subsequent to this that the, the rates uh, of positivity for these antibodies in chronic cases uh, are lower but there are still quite a lot of patients who have these positive antibodies. There's the very recent, uh, study in in jaMA psychiatry um, by Steiner and colleagues which uh, uh, looked at 121 patients with schizophrenia and there was a range of from first episode through to patients who had disease for at least 10 years and and there were still positive cases amongst the more chronic patients so yeah I think uh, I think the rates for are less and it seems that first episode patients
0: more commonly have these antibodies so um who do you think should be treating these patients? Then, neurologists <laughs> or psychiatrists?
1: Well, uh, it's a very interesting point, and I think uh, I think obviously managing psychosis is going to be is is a, is a challenge that uh, I think only currently psychiatrists can do. But if patient theoretically, you could argue that if patients are diagnosed very early and quickly, and treated and respond quickly, then then any you know would be less less of an issue in terms of managing chronic psychotic symptoms.
0: So, do you think you can see a day when um, psychiatrists are going to become familiar with immune suppressing? Drugs like rituximab, with all the side effects and uh, administrative difficulties that it comes with.
1: Yeah, I, th- I mean, I think this is, a, is is a is a possibility. I think, I think this is still it's, it's still the caution of early days, and this is preliminary uh, evidence. And uh, but it, the, 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 this data does point to that direction. And that said, but uh, it's very exciting because we might. Might have disease-modifying agents rather than sort of symptomatic uh, treatments. This is really what all the psychiatrists have to offer at the moment.
0: If there's a, a general psychiatrist out there with patients or people in early intervention teams, for instance, who is seeing patients with seizures for the first time, what do you think you would recommend them to do at the moment clinically?
1: Huh. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, I think there isn't quite enough evidence that. It, in you know, a first presentation of psychosis, we should be looking for these antibodies. But uh, if if this data is borne out, then it might soon be the case. Uh, obviously, there'll be a cost you know benefit analysis of how lo- how much these antibodies are are screen for. But um, if if the current rates of between five uh, you know five to ten percent, which is probably a, a very sort of generous estimate of what it might end up being, then, then that would seem worth worth doing. As and the evidence from the full encephalitis uh, patients is that uh, treating early is very important in terms of recovery before any sustained damage occurs.
0: What about other forms of um, investigation, for instance electroencephalography, routine yeah. EEGs, do you think they might help in picking up your, or increasing your pickup rate? Yeah, I don't think anybody's looked at that but that would certainly be a very interesting or, a, or any particular types of scanning, particular modalities of MR scanning, for instance, you think that would be helpful?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think again, I think there'd be lessons to learn from the, the now large numbers of encephalitis patients in terms of what, what, what screening might might be helpful. But uh, yeah, um, I, I think it is a very important point. But I think at the moment, unless there's something obvious in, that points towards an encephalitis, I don't think current practice is probably routine screening. But uh, I think we're at the threshold of deciding whether this might be the way forward.
0: Okay, uh, Tim Nicholson, thank you very much indeed. Thank you.